For those of you who have lost money, like millions overnight. For those of you who are or have been in personal debt. For those of you who have been at rock bottom, ready to give up. Get ready because it's gonna get a whole lot worse. And that's a great thing. This is Below Zero to Hero, a brain dump by The Fail Coach, helping entrepreneurs develop a healthy relationship with failure. Look, failure can't be feared. It's the number one killer of creativity, ideas, dreams, and even entrepreneurs themselves. And it's thought will never get in your way again. With the right mindset, failure can be step one into a new journey of being a better leader, having better balance, better relationships, and most importantly, success. So bring it on. This is Below Zero to Hero with The Fail Coach. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another uh, Brain Dump by The Fail Coach. And we're doing an interview again, um, and I have Martin here with me. And so, Martin, welcome to the show. And would you please be so kind and introduce yourself to the audience, who you are, what you do? Sure. Thanks for having me, Miha. Uh, so I'm Martin. I'm a growth expert and serial entrepreneur. In the past five years, I've had several growth experiences ranging from working in gaming in Silicon Valley, where I help manage about $100 million per year in, in ad spend. From there, I went on to start several e-commerce businesses while also traveling and visiting about 30 countries in the last two and a half years. And now I'm working on launching a new e-commerce brand in the sustainability space called Moop, where we create sustainable personal care products. And my, my experience is really about starting new businesses, helping them figure out who is their customer, how to grow and get traction, and build a sustainable business over time. Oh, wow. This is a nice introduction. And uh, wow, managing uh, around 100 million in ad spend, you must have learned so much from that. Uh, definitely. It was quite a, a roller coaster of an experience. Um, just coming in as, you know, like young kid in his 20s to Silicon Valley, I didn't know a ton about buying ads or growing businesses online, but um, yeah, that's, that's, I guess, one of the beauties of the place is you just get thrown in the fire, you have to learn very quickly. And, um, you know, you just figure out the ropes. So I, I had really good mentors and a great boss who helped teach me, you know, how to run ads, and a great team. So I was able to take that experience working from gaming and translate it to, you know, the rest of my e commerce businesses I've started. Sweet, sweet. That's that's really nice. So before we started the recording, we had a little chat and we were talking about what topics we should cover uh, in today's interview. And let's start with the first one, which is, you know, starting and scaling an e-commerce business. Um, so maybe to our audience, um, if they're maybe new to the whole thing, um, could you maybe just do a quick intro on what is e-commerce business and then we can go from there how to start it and then how to grow and scale it? Sure. So e-commerce, it's really an expansion of regular retail shopping, but on the internet. So really anyone that's selling usually goods or services on a website, um, you can think of companies like Amazon.com, uh, Walmart has an online e-commerce store. There's a lot of 
small brands coming out these days too, like you can think of Dollar Shave Club. So all of these are businesses that sell their products and services online um, directly to the end customer. Okay. Um, so how would how do you usually or how do you recommend people to start it? I mean, I know that there are, I've never been so much into the e-commerce business, to be honest. So I know that there's drop shipping. I know that there, you can open your own store on Amazon and then you have Shopify and so on. So how would you recommend, for example, if I decided to start e-commerce business uh, to go about it? Yeah, so the, you're right. There's so many tools and platforms these days and different ways you can get started. Um, I think the, before you start, uh, one thing you should see is what what kind of e-commerce store do you want to build in the long run? Like, do you are you happy being an Amazon seller? Do you want to build, you know, a long term brand um, or are you selling other people's products? So th those are questions you might want to answer first. Uh, in this day and age, I'd say the easiest way to get started is um, with a Shopify store. So Shopify is a platform where you can go in there, um, choose a theme, start uploading, you know, products and content. And probably within, you know, a day or two, you can have a store up and running um, that looks pretty good. And customers can go there to buy your products and check out. Um, and then these days, a lot of people... You know, there's a lot of hype around drop shipping is a great model to launch a business with low um, capital investment. Um, and that's initially how I got started. So really, I'd say if you're looking to do an e-commerce store, a great way to start is think of what kind of products you want to sell. Like, And that might start with what are you interested in? Let's say you're a cyclist. You might know a lot about cycling gear um, or maybe you're like a chef and you know a lot about cooking. So you have a competitive advantage there, for example, because you know what, who the end customer is. It's likely yourself and you know what kind of products sell. So um, really, you just pick a niche to get started um, with drop shipping. You can use um, various platforms to just import products into your store like AliExpress, for example, um, and then just start uh, running traffic to the website and see what sells. OK. And I mean. We know that the buying process usually goes no like and trust. Now with products, I think there is less trust needed than when you sell uh, either very high ticket, emotional, luxurious products, which probably you don't do with the e-commerce business. And or if you are like into human to human businesses like coaching services and so on so it's it's less trust but there still needs to be some trust because uh, obviously um, these stores are popping up like crazy and um, you may end up buying something for 100 bucks that sells in china for less than a dollar uh, <clears throat> so um how would you go about um the no part. So, okay, I decided I want to sell, I don't know, um, I'm a chef and, you know, I, I, I'm selling this uh, knives. I want to sell knives. So how do people get to know me? Do I do that just with the uh, paid traffic that I drive there and hope and pray for the best? Or is there any brand building you would uh, suggest to do before? How would you go about it? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think the best place to start is look at 
the audience that you already have. Let's say you're a chef. Um, you might have an Instagram account where you post photos of your uh, the meals that you prep, or you might have some friends on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, great place to start is just post there. Like say, hey, look, at I opened this new store. Check it out. Um, let me know if you have any feedback. And use your own network to get those first few customers because that way um, it's really free traffic and you can get an idea of if things are working and if they're not. Um, after that, I would probably go into, um, there's two paths you can go down. So one is you can go down the content route where you create, say, like an Instagram or a Snapchat or TikTok or any kind of social media profiles for your new store and just start posting content and reach out to different people in your niche um, to try and get traffic to your store. So that's path one. Path two is, um, you know, go to Facebook, open up a business manager account and start running paid ads for as little as $5 a day. You could be testing different types of ads, different copy images and seeing which of your products sell. Um, and then you can definitely do path one and two at the same time. There's no reason why you can't be testing um, you know, a social content strategy while also running a bit of ads to see what products are uh, resonating with your audience. Okay. Um, usually in the marketing, we go from no to like and to trust. But I guess here with e-commerce, you're trying to go from no to like to trust in as little as their first visit to our website. So how would I create that level of like and trust so that somebody would actually buy from me? Right. So, um, yeah, just one thing I want to clarify. Um, when you're in e-commerce, the amount of trust and, and the length of your sales cycle will depend on how expensive is the item you're selling. So let's say you're selling um, something small, like a, a tube of deodorant for $10. Um, it's likely customers could land on your website, check out the deodorant, um, read some reviews from other people that have tried the deodorant, um, read a description, see different pictures, maybe see like feedback on Instagram. But uh, usually within, you know, two to three minutes, they're likely okay to make a purchase. It's more of an impulse buy um, versus if you're selling a larger pro or a high ticket item, let's say you're selling like a sofa for $1,000. Um, it's unlikely anyone will go to your website, look at a sofa, click add to cart and buy right away. Uh, you'll need to spend some time warming them up. Uh, like you said, building trust and educating them. So selling a sofa might mean a lot more of a content strategy where, you know, maybe you have blog posts or videos about different types of sofas and uh, what might fit in your home, uh, you might have professional reviews by review sites or or bloggers or influencers. Um, so there's there's more of a longer sales cycle. You might even need people to interact with your brand, you know, five to ten times before they're comfortable with making a purchase. So I, I think it really starts with yes, you need to build trust, but first see what type of product are you selling, and that will help dictate uh, what is the customer journey to making a final purchase of your product. Yes, absolutely. I agree. I mean, <clears throat> if I'm selling an app on an app store for two bucks, 
you don't need to trust. You just buy it and you say, well, you know what, I'm going to try it. If it's good, it's good. If it's not, it's not. But when it comes to larger purchases, then yes, we do a little bit more of the due diligence. Now, one question, I mean, and that's not from your end, that's more from the end of the buyers. Like, how trustworthy are all this? Like, how do you create that trustworthiness? You know, because we know you can go and buy likes and shares and reviews like you know go to fiverr and you can buy basically any social proof you want um so how do you maintain that um transparency uh on your e-commerce websites um so that we can get the feeling that we are really seeing real content and not something just purchased Right. So I think it really starts with um, offering a good product. Uh, it's really easy to sell, you know, say like a, a really cheap watch from Alibaba on your store for $50. It may, like you said, it maybe costs you two or three dollars. Um, when customers ultimately receive the item, they're likely not going to be super happy with their purchase. You won't have good reviews and you won't have a lot of trust. So I think building trust does start with having a great product first and foremost. And second, it's having a consistent brand. So this is where brand building comes in, right? It's um, on day one, you might just be getting started. So you have a basic Shopify store, a basic theme, you know, um, you're just driving traffic to see, are people even buying this? But over the long run, you wanna think about what are the values of your store? Like what kind of messaging or photography do you wanna show your customers? Um, how do you, uh, connect with your audience, right? Let's say um, you're selling, like you mentioned before, knives and cookware. Um, your audience is probably a lot of home chefs or maybe stay-at-home parents that are cooking for their family. So you think about what are they interested in? Like, would they perhaps want to learn new recipes? Are they looking to try out um, new types of, uh, you know, appliances or or cookware. So you want to see like, what is your customer thinking about and how can you address uh, their pain points and needs? And that's really how you build trust and you build an authentic experience, which will keep customers coming back over and over to buy your products instead of just making a one-time quick sale. Okay. Um, now let's stay a little bit on the starting side before we move on to growing and scaling. So let's say, you know, I don't have a huge following. I didn't, you know, like a lot of people, older people, you know, 40 plus. Um, I remember just a few years ago, my Facebook account had like 140 people. Um, and it was all close friends or relatives. And I had this super strict rule uh, that if we didn't had a beer together in the past six months, you're off the list. Um, and then, you know, one day, uh, so without any Twitter account, uh, um, or, and I did, I only had LinkedIn account, but that was connected with my past startup, which was in energy field. So none of those connections were really, you know, because I, I pivoted, I mean, not pivoted, but I exited that startup, sold it. And then, you know, after a little break, I went into this online coaching, mentoring business. And so I had zero following. I had to start building brand from scratch. And I also decided 
not to do it in my home country, but to go for the US, Canadian market, West Europe, European markets, and so on. So it, it took me a long, long time to really build a following, to really, really build a network of people that eventually started buying. And I was thankfully lucky enough that my story of huge losses and then huge comeback um, was quite appealing. Plus, I did have had a lot of past case studies that I was able to leverage. Uh, but, you know, let's say that I'm that chef selling knives. And uh, because I was so busy working in the kitchen, I never took the time to have any social media accounts and, and all of that. So, um you know, I built a very simple Shopify uh, store and I share it with a few friends and maybe I make three or four purchases. But then, you know, if I start driving completely cold traffic, um, you know, they will see maybe two reviews, three reviews and so on. And, and that wouldn't be, uh, that wouldn't seem as, oh, white, I want to buy things from this guy as well. Like, how do you have any tips and tricks other than the long-term uh, journey to go, okay, first create the social media network, then start posting and so on, start gathering some audience. Um, are there any tips and tricks that you can share how to speed up that process or is there really no way to speed it up? Yeah, I so I, I think what you mentioned, it's, something you commonly see with a lot of entrepreneurs. Um, you might not have a following. You're starting a, a business from day one um, with with no following. So yeah, like we did mention before, you want to be focusing on a content strategy and that's sort of the long-term play. It makes sense to start that on day one so that you can reap the rewards, you know, three months, six months, a year from now. Um, but the fastest way to really get started is running paid ads on different channels. So what I would recommend is first try to find out where do your customers live on the internet? Um, are they, you know, frequently on Facebook and Instagram? Are they more on Twitter? Maybe they hang out on Reddit. Um, maybe they, they search for a lot of blog posts on Google, wherever they are. Um, if you want to quickly reach them, you can usually do that with paid ads. Um, so let's say for example, um, in the case of a chef selling knives, uh, likely a lot of your audience is on Instagram. So you can go onto Facebook, create an ad account. And as I mentioned before, for $5 a day, you can start driving paid traffic to your website. Um, your website on day one will probably not be the same website you have a year from now because you, you don't have a lot of reviews. Um, you're still testing and learning what products work. But the good news is it, it does get better over time, right? As you run, spend more money on ads, maybe you find out that um, your niche is, you know, women age 30 to 45 living in the East and West Coast that are stay-at-home moms, right? And you, you can take those learnings that you, you have from those ads and use that to improve your future ads and improve your messaging, um, your creatives, the types of products you sell. So... Um, overall, summarize, uh, I would do content from day one. And if you want to quickly test and see how you can get traffic and sales, you can always do that by working with paid ads like Facebook or Google. 
Okay. Do you have any experience either from, you know, your past experiences or maybe you worked with others? Um, how much time and how much money would be, you know, needed to get to a certain break-even point where your shop is sustainable and can grow uh, with the cash flow that you're getting? Uh, yeah, so there's no hard number. It's not, I can't tell you, you know, if you spend a hundred dollars, you will get to break even. Um, everyone's, I know a lot of e-commerce entrepreneurs, everyone's journey to break even, um, is a little bit different. Uh, let's say you're starting with drop shipping. Like my first store, I was able to reach break even, um, in my, in the jewelry category with about $500 in ad spend on Facebook. Um, for others, I know they might have to spend a few thousand dollars. Uh, what really depends is how, what are the products you're selling, right? So if if you have an interest in a niche, you have some knowledge. Like if you're a chef and you know knives really well, you know that these knives sell, you're likely to hit break even much quicker because you already have insights into that market versus if you try to sell something you might not have any knowledge about, like, let's say you're selling, you know, car accessories and you don't own a car. Um, it will take you a little bit longer to find who your audience is. Um, overall, if you're starting with a method like drop shipping, I'd budget, you know, probably one to $2,000 for testing a niche really, really well. Um, if at that point uh, you haven't hit break even, it might be time to look at something else. If you're building a long-term brand, you know, where you have to focus on like building your own products and packaging design and branding and all of that, uh, it would cost tens of thousands of dollars. But I think for most people, uh, you know, even with a $500 ad budget, you can really test, is this a niche and a product that's working for me? And if it's not, you can move on to the next niche until the secret is really testing and learning until you find something that resonates with your audience. And from there, um, it's easier to grow your store profitably. Okay. Um, and okay, let's say I managed to break even with the knives and now I'm ready to grow and to scale. How, how would you suggest me to go about that? Yeah. So once you break even, um, you're in a really good place because you know that for every, say, like $100 you spend on the business, you'll get $100 back. So really at this point, um, it's all about optimizing your funnel. Um, and when I talk about a funnel in e-commerce, uh, there's several pieces. So let's say um, you're running ads, for example, on Facebook, right? So a customer, a potential customer would first see your ad on Facebook. Um, they would click on your ad, visit your a product page or homepage, add that product to cart, um, start the checkout process, and then complete the checkout process to make a purchase. So in this funnel, there's really about five to six steps from the time the customer sees your ad to the time they make a final purchase. And so what you'll want to do at this point is tweak each part of that funnel, right? So maybe on your product page, for example, um, you can add more more photos of your product. You can um, adjust the product description. Maybe you make the add to cart button larger and 
tweaks like these could improve your add to cart rate, which improves, you know, how many people going through your funnel make a purchase. Uh, alternatively, at the top of the funnel, um, you can tweak uh, maybe running different types of ads. So if you're running images, why not try running videos? Uh, why not try different types of images or a combination of both? Or why not try different uh, messaging instead of saying, hey, you know, hey, chefs, check out these new knives that are awesome. Maybe you take the angle um, during the Christmas season of, hey, do you have a loved one who would like a knife? Uh, this is a great knife you could gift them. So really, uh, at this point, you're just tweaking all the steps of the funnel. And over time, as you improve your conversion rate, uh, you'll start to become more profitable. And that's uh, that'll give you more leverage to grow your business. Okay. Um, Martin, you make this sound super easy, super simple. You know, you just take a product, you, you learn about this a little bit, then you go to Facebook ads, you tweak it a little bit. But I'm guess I mean, I opened Facebook ads manager once and I was clueless on what to do. I mean, thankfully, I have an agency that does that for me. But, you know, I when I looked at it, I was like, uh, what do I do here? Uh, how do I test? How do I create ads? How do I do this, that? Um, like, um, if you have somebody like that on the other side, like, what would you suggest to, to me where to learn about these things? Or should I just go to somebody who knows how to do it and hire them? Like, what would be, uh, you know, a process for somebody who doesn't have the experience that you had from the Silicon Valley? who isn't, I guess, as tech savvy as you are and marketing savvy as you are, uh, but, you know, just an average Joe. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I would relate running ads or running an e-commerce store similar to learning how to ride a bicycle, right? Everybody starts at the exact same level. We don't know how to ride. And then you practice with training wheels and eventually... Uh, you get better over time and you learn how to ride a bicycle, right? It comes with experience. It's similar for running ads and running an e-commerce store. Uh, the more you've spent on this and like learning the process, you find over time that it is a repeatable process. Once you've launched one e-commerce store, it's easy to follow the same or easier to follow the same steps to launch a second store. So I'd say when you're starting out from ground zero, um, what I find helped me a lot and a lot of other entrepreneurs is trying to find groups of people that are going, um, that are kind of in the same path as you, right? So um, in the good news for e-commerce, there's a lot of Facebook groups you can join. Um, there's one I joined like years ago called Kingpinning. Um, there's a lot of like Facebook ad buyers type groups. And you can often join these communities and people share advice, tips, Often they'll share free content. You don't have to pay, um, you know, a thousand dollars for a guru to tell you how to run ads and and sell products online. A lot of this information is free. Um, so I'd say joining a community and just doing a lot of research, right? Like it's amazing what you can find on Google tutorials about how to run Facebook ads. Um, and if you're willing to put in the time to learn, it's it's not crazy. Like it won't take you like a hundred hours to learn how to run Facebook ads. It might mean watching like a 30 minute video and following the steps. And that's really how you get started. So you try to find free resources online and other people that are willing to help you. Okay. 
So now we cover the, the, the starting and also the scaling. Um, what are some of the most common struggles, mistakes that you see uh, people who are new to e-commerce do? <laughs> so there's a, a lot of potential mistakes you could make. Um, the first one is, and I see this all the time, is not really understanding who is your target audience, right? So if you're selling um, knives as a chef, uh, you really need to think about first, like, who are you selling them to? Um, that's often the, the most, probably one of the most common reasons uh, products don't sell is you might be selling chef's knives, but then you're targeting, you know, millennials or, or like, university, high school students that might not have the budget to afford nice chef knives, right? So you want to make sure, you know, who's your audience first. Second, um, a lot of it comes down to doing a lot of testing, right? So um, if you have a picture of a knife, you run a, a Facebook ad for that picture, it might not convert well. Um, does it mean that the knife won't sell? No, not really. It just means you might need to try a different angle. So we mentioned before, you know, maybe you need to film on your iPhone at home a quick, you know, 15 second video of of using a knife to chop up some vegetables or fruits or steak and posting that on the Internet, running an ad that might be way more effective for selling a knife than just showing a picture of a knife, you know, lying on a table. So I think understanding your audience and not doing enough testing, those are probably the two biggest traps people fall into. And then based on the third one, I'd say is giving up early. Like if, if you haven't spent, you know, at least a few days or a few weeks testing a product from different angles, um, you probably haven't done enough work around that product. So I, I would not give up. It's an iterative process. You might also find that your first product that you promote doesn't sell. Like I had to test out probably 30 or 40 different products before I found one I could break even on. Um, and the people I find that are most successful in e-commerce are the ones that are most consistent. They've committed to trying it. They've committed to sticking with it. And then eventually they see results that they can grow into a bigger business. Okay. That's all very good advice. Um, Martin, so when you said sustainability, what I thought that we are talking about is, you know, like, so you create this funnel, you create an e-commerce business, but, you know, how not to just be a uh, one-day fly, you know, you, you, you sell for a few weeks and then, like, how do you make that e-commerce business into a sustainable business? But what I picked up from your intro is that you are more talking about sustainability in, in the way on what kind of products we sell online. Yeah, so there's, <laughs> that's a great uh, point there. There's two things. So one is building a sustainable business. Um, I usually refer to building a business that will be around in the long run with repeat customers, repeat purchases and high quality products. Um, the other thing that's, um, you know, becoming more people are becoming more aware of today is sustainability in the sense of um, are the products that I sell good for the planet, right? Are they um, maybe not very carbon intensive to ship? Are they um, using natural ingredients and maybe trying to use less plastic where, where it's possible to use less plastic? So 
Um, yeah, that's a distinction between the two. I'd say both these days, especially going to 2020, are super important um, long-term trends that you want to build in into your business model. Because if you want to have a business that's around in the long run, yeah, it has to be sustainable um, in the business sense. And then consumers are also becoming more conscious of, are your products sustainable for the planet too? Okay. And um, so what is your approach? Is it just... Uh... Okay, yes, of course, on one hand, finding products that are more environmentally friendly or things like that. Um, and then what? You probably build a whole story around it. So you, you do a bit more content marketing versus just the paid traffic or how does that go? Yeah, so I think sus like sustainability is something – it's really – difficult to achieve on day one. I think it's a long-term goal that you would set for your business if it's something that you're passionate about, right? I wouldn't encourage everyone to go out and start a sustainability business if they're they're not interested in that space. And it will show, like your customers will know um, if you're not being genuine and authentic. Um, so I'd say starting out, find a niche that you're really passionate about, find products that resonate with your audience and ideally, if you are passionate about sustainability, you build that into your business model in the long run by reducing, you know, wasteful packaging, um, offering more environmental shipping methods and different strategies like that, that, um, you know, they're less profit driven, but they're more socially conscious driven. Oh, okay. I understand now. Um, Martin, let's move over to topic number three. Um, which is also a very, very interesting one, especially, um, I mean, in, in the last couple of years, more and more entrepreneurs are doing this lifestyle uh, online entrepreneurship. And that kind of goes hand in hand with maybe not having a physical office because you work from home, not having employees come to work but you either employ people that work remotely or you do a lot of things with different freelancers and VAs and so on and it's a different thing to manage that kind of company than when you know you are all in the same office you can uh, have a chat whenever you want uh, with this uh, remote teams uh, it's very likely that they will be also in different time zones that you so um, let's talk a little bit about that, how, how you even start setting um, the whole thing up, what are some of the tools that you can use, and just general tips and tricks on what, what you recommend how to deal with remote teams. Yeah, so I think we really do live in incredible times where um, you can have teams that are of people working all over the world. Um, I think where you start first is before going remote, you need to think about what type of business or company do you want to build? Um, if you're interested in being location flexible, uh, maybe building more of a lifestyle business, um, trying to save money um, by hiring professionals all over the world, uh, remote teams are, could be a good option for you versus if um, you know, if you're trying to build a business that's local to your community, it hires um, local employees um, and experts in their field, 
and and you like having an office sitting setting where you come in every day and there's people you can talk to and interact with, um, it'd be challenging to have remote teams. So I think it starts with what kind of company do you want to build? And if you do choose to build a remote team, um, that's great. Um, it's definitely not for everyone. It has a lot of challenges. Like you mentioned, time zones can be a challenge. Often language barriers can be a challenge. Um, but benefits are you know, flexibility of who you can hire. You can hire the best people from all over the world, often at a lower cost than maybe in your local community. Um, you can have like, uh, sorry, you can have experts like working together around the clock, right? Like if I'm working out of North America and I have a team um, over in Asia, they could be working when I'm not working. So th there are a lot of benefits, but I think it starts with, is this the right type of business you want to build? Okay. So let's say that, you know, um, I personally love traveling. Um, I love working from home, not going to the office. Uh, when I need some company, I just go to the local um, uh, incubator or uh, coffee place or whatever. So let's say I'm, I'm very comfortable and I would prefer to have remote team. Uh, and maybe sometimes I even need a remote team because we offer 24-7 support. And so I need people from different time zones that can handle uh, the eight-hour shifts. So... Okay, the decision has been made. Now, how would you go about it? How would you, you know, like set the whole thing up? How would you use technology to coordinate all of those things? Uh, I mean, you probably have a lot of experience with remote teams already. How do you, you know, manage meetings? How do you communicate so that, you know, because maybe you can't really have meetings because you're 12 hours apart and, you know, when somebody sleeps, the other one's awake. Yeah, so I've um, in the past, I've managed remote teams of up to 15 people uh, working around the world. It's starting out, uh, I think you need to have a really strong first remote hire. Um, in my case, I was running um, my first e-commerce store selling jewelry. Um, I was working like in the evenings after work until like 2 or 3 a.m. dealing with so many customer support issues. I just needed someone to help out on the customer support side. So often, uh, most people start with going on a uh, freelancing website like Upwork. Uh, you post a job listing and say, you know, I want a customer support rep. They speak um, and write uh, with strong English. And then they have maybe like a few years experience in e-commerce on customer support. So it really, you want to take your time and find a good hire um, that usually could mean going through a few interviews with candidates, trying to weed someone out and, and finding someone strong. And what I find is usually when you can start with a really good first hire, as you have more remote needs, um, these like people who work remotely know other people who work remotely and they can refer you to others in their space. So that happened in my case. Um, I hired uh, this first girl, Shella, for customer support, she referred me um, to her uh, colleague, Eddie, who ended up helping us with order fulfillment and also customer support. And so uh, we were able to grow a, a remote team of employees just through referrals, um, all the way up to 15 people managing customer support, um, refunds, Facebook ads, 
um, pro- launching new products, like the the whole, uh, really much the whole operations of our e-commerce store that we could outsource. Do you have any recommendations on the process to do, like you said, um, you, you have to take a little bit time, um, have a few interviews. Let, let's say you need to do a little bit of dating before you jump in and, and say, will you marry me? Like, do you have any process what you could do in that due diligence part, the interview part? Like, what are some of the things that, you know, everybody should be careful? Uh, what are some of the questions that you ask, for example? Yeah, so it really comes down to um, good interviewing techniques. I'd say it's a start. Uh, it's worth doing, you know, maybe an hour or so of research of how do you structure your interviews in an effective way. Often with interviewing, there could be a lot of personal bias. So um, one uh, one strategy is making sure you ask everyone the same questions, right? If By having a consistent set of questions, you can compare everyone's answers afterwards. Um, you want to make sure the questions you ask are applicable to the role, right? So um, if someone's going to help you out with customer support, you might want to ask questions around um, how have they dealt with stressful situations with other people in the past or how do they work well in in teams? And you want to tailor your questions to that role itself. And then I'd say the third thing is um, when you make a hire, especially with a remote team member, um, there's a little bit more flexibility compared to making a full-time hire. Uh, you can start them on, you know, a one or two week trial contract, see how that contract goes. If it goes well, great, you can work long-term. If it doesn't work well, um, you can end your relationship right there and then try to find someone else on your team. So you really have a lot more flexibility and a lot less risk. Even if you make a mistake with your first remote hire, you can quickly go back and fix it. Um, so that that's one of the advantages of remote employees as well. Okay. Um, <clears throat> do you use any software tools or services that help you in managing this remote team? Like, for example, for communication, for meetings, for, um, you know, managing to-dos, things like that? Yeah, so there's great software out there. Um, I've used Trello in the past where you can create uh, boards, weekly boards of tasks that need to be completed, and the team works through the Trello board. Um, for communication, really any any software that works for you, um, such as Slack, um, I use Skype a lot because that's popular um, in the Philippines. Um, yeah, any communication platform. Uh, the other thing I found too is as you start to scale up your remote team, uh, it often helps to hire um, someone that's a manager um, that can manage other team members, right? Like if you have 10 remote team members and you have to do check-ins with all of them all the time, um, it's just a lot of work and a lot is going on. Um, so that's one one hire to think about as your team starts to grow, say past five or 10 people, um, getting a manager in place that can check in with the remote team regularly and then send you, you know, you maybe you just have a weekly call with them once or twice a week. Um, I found that's a great strategy to save a lot of time and, and make sure things are running more smoothly. Okay, that all sounds really nice. Um, good advice. Um, Martin, <clears throat> before I ask you the last question, 
Um, so we were talking a lot about business stuff. And what I love to ask my guests is also to share a little bit about themselves. You know, people love to um, know the person behind the business. Um, so is there anything you could share with us? Maybe, you know, something family related, hobbies related, whatever you want. Sure. So I'm a, I'm a cycling enthusiast. I've been, I, I guess, riding bicycles since, since a little kid. I used to race in high school. Um, yeah, I just love, you know, going out on the road. Uh, it, it's a great way found for me to de-stress and get some exercise. And that's, I guess that's something common I found with a lot of my friends who are successful in business and, and just in life. Um, you know, life gets stressful and it's good to have a hobby where you can get away to do something you really enjoy, whether it's sports or something artistic, um, even just as simple as going for a walk, like life gets stressful. So um, it's okay to take it one step at a time and and do something for yourself from time to time. So for me, that's cycling. Okay, nice. Um, Martin, um, do you offer any services or anything? I mean, or do you just work on your own e-commerce businesses? I mean, if let's say somebody from the audience wants to start an e-commerce business or is already in one and they need some help, would it be okay for them to reach out to you? I mean, do you offer any services to other e-commerce businesses? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I don't sell any like courses or agency services at the moment, but um, I have a, a blog, martinachwat.com, where I write about a lot of digital marketing and e-commerce tips and growth strategies. So you can check that out. Um, some really helpful resources there if you're starting an e-commerce business or just looking to grow any sort of digital business. Um, you can always reach out to me as well on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to help answer any questions or if you're you know, just getting started and need a little bit of guidance. Um, yeah, happy to help there. Um, otherwise, yeah, these days I'm mostly working on launching our new e-commerce brand Moop, where we're doing sustainable personal care products. Uh, so that'll be launching next quarter. You can always check us out at getmoop.com. Yeah, join our wait list and, and see how we launch a brand. One, one way to learn is um, by seeing how others do it. So, you know, maybe you can try out our products or just tag along for the process of how we build an audience and and grow a brand over time i strongly strongly agree with that 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 is a very very good advice and yeah i would really welcome anybody who's listening to this to um, and especially if they want to uh, create something in the e-commerce business but also otherwise i mean for any online business if they're thinking of launching a brand brand building um, because you obviously have a whole lot of uh, experience. You've done a lot. Um, you've had some amazing training in the past. Um, so it's probably very valuable uh, just to tag along. And then, of course, while they are in the process, if they like the product, uh, sure, go buy something and, and support uh, in support of the knowledge uh, that you were able to see. Uh, <clears throat> Martin. Um, my always last question, uh, what's that one golden nugget that you want to share with the audience? Uh, one golden nugget I'd, I'd leave you with is 
Um, I think success comes from persistence, right? It's uh, being successful in business or in life. It's kind of like going to the gym. Um, it's not about how hard you work out at the gym. If you only go once or twice, it's about going consistently um, day after day, week after week. And it's it's really, I found it amazing what people can accomplish in the long term. It's often hard to see results. You know, you might be getting started on a new project or a new job and you don't see a lot of traction for the first few months. But I've seen that if you can stick to it for the long term, whether that's uh, a few years or, or even decades, that's when you'll really start to see those compounding results and, and learnings compound over time. So whatever it is that you commit to um, and are interested in doing, um, take it with a long term view and stick to it. Um, and I, I know that you'll be really pleased with what you see at the end. Great advice. And oh, by the way, I, I didn't say it before. So the links that you mentioned, um, if uh, listeners didn't catch that up, uh, they can just go to the show notes and they will have all the links in there as well um, to Martin's blog, to his new product launch, um, and also your uh, social media links where people can uh, start following you contact you and so on um martin it's been a pleasure having you as a guest uh i really enjoyed this conversation and uh i do appreciate you for sharing a whole lot of value bombs uh as we call them um so thank you for that and um i really wish you all the best in your journey and all the success with your new brand yeah, thanks for having me, Miha. Um, I hope I was able to share a few tidbits of advice. And yeah, stay tuned. I, I look forward to connecting with you again. Perfect. Take care. All right. Take care.